Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome to a special edition of our podcast, What Up, Long Beach? Less than 24 hours after winning the American League Golden Glove for shortstop, we have got J.P. Crawford with an exclusive interview. He is uh, poolside in Arizona right now, but took some time to talk to us about his journey all the way to the Seattle Mariners, how it's been playing in Seattle, and obviously winning that incredible award. I mean, hashtag LB and MLB, the greatness continues. Mike, Tyler, how many times did we watch JP at Blair Field? I know we said this last week when we were talking to Chase DeYoung, but how many times did we watch JP at Blair Field and we were like, you know, kid can really hit, but I don't know, he might be the best defender we've ever seen. Yeah, I think JP was one of those kids who, I, I mean, I just remember you and me seeing him at uh, Whaley Pony for that classic Hartwell uh, versus Whaley Pony game. I remember looking at a kid like, you know, baseball, and especially at the time we were, we were covering that game, I was like, it's not my number one sport, but I don't really see anything this kid can't do. He's as fast as a high school kid. He fields better than most of the high school kids. He hits. He hits it hard. Uh, you know, I mean, he really had everything. And, uh, you know, all the Lakewood coaches are telling us, yeah, Spud's going to start him uh, at shortstop as a freshman, which is something that had literally never been done in the history of Lakewood High School. Um, and obviously all he's done is gone on and, and pay off every projection everyone ever could have had of how great he'd be. JP was always one of the kids that was the most fun to cover because you knew you could get a crazy highlight and he had so much energy and passion, but he was also so difficult to cover because you literally had to film like every pitch <laughs> because either, you know, he was always on base, so he could always be ready to steal. And anytime Lakewood was pitching, he was, you know, one moment away from making an unbelievable web gem that you really wanted on camera. It's not like one of those pitchers where it's like, okay, we only have to film them when they're pitching and maybe at the plate. It's like this guy was just always in the action. And so it was, you had to always be ready so you didn't miss something. Um, and now to see that translating to Major League Baseball is just so fun that it's like, yeah, the, the player is still doing amazing things. He's just on a bigger stage now. And it's, all, it's just baseball, right? I mean, we did talk about this last week with Chase DeYoung and how his journey was up and down, and JP is the same way. I mean, he gets drafted straight out of high school. That was one of my favorite articles to ever write, writing about where was everyone when JP got drafted, and then it was up and down. You know, literally, he got called up, sent back down, got called up, sent back down to Philadelphia, and I think landing in Seattle at this moment in time, and we'll talk about that with him in just a second, it's important. Timing is everything, and I think timing is on J.P. Crawford's side right now. This brought to you as part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. We also want to give a shout-out to Naples Rib Company, title sponsor of everything that we do at the562.org, including all of our podcasts. All right, we now welcome on newly minted Gold Glover, Lakewood Products, Long Beach native, though. We say Lakewood Product, Long Beach native, J.P. Crawford. How's it, how's it going, bro? How you doing? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on today. JP, you're, you're the first, I believe you're the first, like you're the changing face because when I was growing up, like Justin Turner, all those dudes, they would never say they were Lakewood guys. And they, if you said like, oh, you're from Long Beach, they would like, they'd fight you over that. You know what I mean? I feel like you were the first dude that I can remember who was an elite athlete in the city of Lakewood at Lakewood High School who's like, Bro, I'm from Long Beach. You know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm, I'm from right next to Long Beach. <laughs> no, definitely. But, like, I was born in Long Beach, and then my, I lived in Long Beach. So, like, I technically – I say I'm from Long Beach. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be considered from Lakewood. Like, I get it. I get it. I, and I know that, you know, but, like, that's the, that's the changing time because now when I go to Lakewood, it looks like Long Beach. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, it looked like a different – a very different world. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so let's let's talk about the Golden Glove, man. How are you feeling? How how excited were you to get that news? And I mean, it's obviously such a weird season, but it has to be nice to feel rewarded with uh, you know such a major honor in in just your third season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I set my sights on it after last year. You know, I worked I worked hard every day last season last year and every day during the season this year and you know the results finally paid off and I'm I'm blessed man I mean I'm just thankful honestly I mean it's a dream come true yeah speaking of working hard you also worked hard during the shutdown obviously and there were a bunch of stories going around about how you were watching film of yourself in that uh, futures game at MLB all-star weekend a few years ago and that you were like working on your swing and getting your foot down and all that stuff. What what made you start working on that during the shutdown? Just because you had the time? Yeah, I had the time. So I was just thinking back of like, you know, where was I going wrong? Where did I go wrong? Shit, I was raking and I wasn't hitting that all for a little bit. So it was like something was wrong mechanically. So I had a lot of time on my hands. So I got a tea and put it in my living room, just <laughs> fell some stuff out. And I mean, it helped. So we, I mean, we everything caught- paid off, man, finally. Yeah, we call that the meat and potatoes approach, the tea in the yeah. living room. You know what I mean? That's, that's, not, that's, that's, not, that's not IG trainer. Like, that's just real work right there. I love that. Right. Um, what, uh, so I want to talk to you a little bit about your, your journey as a, as a baseball player and as a black baseball player and as a black baseball player who I think got stereotyped a little bit, if I recall correctly. You, you play the infield. You always played the infield. I remember JJ and I watching you. Uh, playing against uh, Whaley Pony, and you had a you fielded a couple balls. And we looked at each other and we're like, "This kid's an eighth grader." Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, talking to your dad about that as you were sort of starting to be scouted by some of the MLB teams. I think a couple of the scouts said, uh, you know, they saw you. They're like, "Okay, he's a fast black kid. Like, we want to put him in the outfield, right?" Um, right. What was what was and now obviously you know a couple years into your major league career you're a Golden Glover so you feel (laughs) you feel pretty good that it worked out but what was that process like did you feel like you had to convince people um, or did you just sort of know that's where you belonged and and you didn't really worry about it if people you know wanted to put you somewhere else no definitely not you know I started as a freshman at Lakewood at shortstop so I mean. I just said, you know, F all those haters. Uh, I got the talent. I know I do. And the confidence never slipped. The confidence never went away. So, you know, I just kept working at it. And eventually you got me where I'm at today. And just, you know, consistently working every day at your craft, trying to perfect everything. And, you know, it it just it, it pays off, man. Did it? I, I mean, you, you mentioned you played high school baseball at one of the few high schools where you said it. You started as a freshman. And I, like, I remember Spud was telling people when you were an eighth grader that you were going to start as a freshman, uh, which was at that time. I mean, I don't know that anyone had started <laughs> at anything other than maybe DH at Lakewood as a, as a freshman. Do you feel like playing at a program with, you know, obviously your, your group that was there had a ton of really talented guys. Do you feel like being part of a program where you were around other top-level players and you knew that there were other major leaguers that came out of there, do you feel like that helped you in your development when you were in high school? Oh, yeah, definitely. Those guys got me where I'm at today. Uh, big shout-out to New West, too. I mean, he was one of the first guys I texted because there's definitely no chance I would be here where I'm at today without him. You know, he just embedded a culture and a fire in me and all my teammates just to, you know, made us different. I don't know. So, you know, I definitely love that. He taught us how to compete and just be competitive, you know, just be different. 
Is there a season or a game or a run of games that when you think back at your time at Lakewood High School, you're like, oh, that one time that that was happening? I mean, obviously great things happened at Blair Field, but we just did a recall of that classic game, Lakewood Edison, where you guys, uh, where you guys upset uh, the Chargers. And that's one of our favorite games of all time, actually. Yeah, I was going to say that's my favorite game for sure. And I play with two loops, and every year I let him know about it. I mean, I bring it up all the time in the clubhouse because he says we cheated and all this and that. And he, like, they're still deeply mad about it. And I just laugh even harder every time I tell the story. What, <laughs> we uh, love that. So, so, so what's their claim on the cheating? It's the, the hit, the, the, uh, the, the tape ball. ball. The tape ball. Yeah. <laughs> they, they said they lost because of the tape ball. I was like, bro, you're already losing at that time. Like, you guys didn't score. Nothing was hurt from it. Like, how are you guys going to blame that shit on that? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, it didn't even work. It, it was funny, but it didn't even work. So, so I, right. I don't understand the complaint. You know, that was, that was already one of my favorite baseball games I ever covered. But knowing that the OC kids are still hurt about it, that really makes me love that game. It makes it better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trust me. It makes my day. So, I tell it a lot, too. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a deeper appreciation for it than even that's we right. do. So thank you for yeah. that. Uh, JP, obviously with the with the gold glove, I mean, that's going to be something memorable about this season. But, you know, what else? It was such a weird year, right? Only 60 games. I mean, no fans in the stands. I mean, how, how, how can you possibly describe this season? I mean, what was it like for you as a player having played regular seasons in the big leagues and then now whatever 2020 was? How can you put that into words? Uh, it was different. Uh... <laughs> It was very definitely like because some days are dragging and, you know, you need the fans to hype you up or just to get that adrenaline going and just knowing there's no one there to watch your games. It kind of feels like you're playing in rookie ball again at some point. So it's like kind of hard to stay focused per se. But I mean, I was just happy I stayed healthy. Um, I mean, I finally took care of my body, like prepared. And that was one of my other goals, just to stay healthy on the field, stay on the field. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about that. You talk about that preparation. What goes into preparing yourself so you don't get hurt? Is it is it kind of making your body be prepared all the time, or is it making sure that your peak preparedness when you're actually on the field? No, it definitely goes in before the game um, in the weight room, like just getting your body prepared. And then in the offseason, getting your body prepared to play 162 games. Um, I mean, all that stuff plays. I, I wasn't a believer in it in my first couple of years because I thought my talent would just take me there. And for now, I definitely feel a difference, and I'm kind of pissed I just started, like, last year. <laughs> well, you're still young. I mean, you know what I mean? You didn't have the realization you were 34 or something. I mean, you got plenty of time to still take advantage of it, I feel like. Um, what, what was just the – I mean, I can only imagine, and I know we interviewed um, – you know, we talked to some people who were in the NBA bubble, and they just said they were it, that it was just so boring. You know what I mean? It's like you, you normally – I mean – being a major leaguer, that's not a bad life, you know, but you're, you're out there traveling and, you know, I know you're probably not really getting to see your loved ones or, or play with your dogs uh, as much as you would have liked to. So what, what was the day-to-day -day, like off the field like? Are you just playing video games all the time or what are you doing to stay busy in a hotel, you know, by yourself? Yeah, that was awful too because it was such a short season and, you know, with all the viruses going around and all that stuff, um, Kathy didn't come out, so it was just kind of boring. You just go home and kind of do the same thing. You just play PS4 and watch Netflix, go to bed, repeat type of stuff. And 
I, I did I did want to ask you a little bit more about that. You and uh, you and your fiance Kathy, uh, who I, I covered both of you at Lakewood High School. She was a cross country uh, superstar for Lakewood High School. How is the wedding planning going? How is COVID affecting all that? And and you know, I mean, it's a, a difficult time, obviously, to be trying to plan a group event. So what's what's your guys' plan with that? Well, we were supposed to get married in December, but because of COVID, we postponed it till next December. Just so we could be out of the way and know every, everything could be stress free, and no one has to worry about being next to everybody. Hopefully, is yes. the, are the dogs going to be ring bearers, or what's the plan with the with the pups? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like I just told you, I don't have to worry about wedding planning. Don't ask me any questions right now. I feel you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not them yet. Who knows? She was actually helping you with your swing too, huh? I read. I read that. She, she was yeah, no, she definitely me. She was hitting me ground balls in the backyard out here and like helping me throw. And, and I mean, honestly, it kept me in shape. So she so. get part of that. She get part of that gold glove bonus or what? Oh yeah, definitely. For <laughs> sure <she did>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she gets fifty percent, JJ, or maybe maybe fifty one percent. What's the so it, so? Here's my question: You are, I mean, coming from Long Beach, you know, this was historically this city was one of the places that really produce great black major league baseball players and. I don't think it's any secret that, you know, the major leagues for a couple of decades really went away from, um, from black players and from, you know, black American players and, and obviously invested much more heavily overseas and in the Dominican and, and looking for guys um, in different places. I feel like you're, you're part of this generation that is starting to, I don't know, change the game a little bit and make it to where it's not just, you know, country white guys and, um, and dudes from the Dominican, you know, and, and bring, the, bring some flavor back into the game. How conscious are you of that? Obviously, the Mariners have, I think, I think I read the, like the blackest roster that the major leagues have had in, I don't know, decades. How much do you guys talk about that? How conscious are you? How excited are you to be a part of that movement? And uh, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all that, I guess? Oh, yeah, we definitely don't take that for granted. Um, we we think, like, we're the first team ever to have this many, like, black people on the team, you know what I'm saying? I think it was 11 or 12 at a time. But, yeah, we definitely don't take it for granted because it'll probably never happen again, you know what I'm saying? And it's just life. I mean, we definitely, yeah, we, we definitely don't take it for granted. We have fun every day. Um, every road trip we hang out, you know, we get dinner together and everything. So it's it's a great time. You also were very vocal on social media about getting out the vote and you weren't picking a side. You were just telling people to vote. How important is that to you? And is that something that you planned on doing when you were coming up in the league? Like, were you like, okay, once I get there, I'm definitely going to let people know my opinion on stuff like getting involved socially. Nah, it's different because like in Philly, you couldn't really say anything. They kind of kept you quiet. And over here they were like willing to help. They were willing to say like, what can we do to help? Like, they loved everything we're doing on social media. It was the complete opposite. So I felt like we were able to speak out. And I feel like most people are too scared to say stuff on there because, like, they'll get bashed by their team or, or and all the fans and stuff. And that's why a lot of people stay silent. But I'm thankful for Seattle, like, to let us speak out. And they're backing us up with everything we said. I mean, 
and we they we even started our own program up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys, especially early in the season. I mean, you guys were were on the news all the time, and you know, making headlines with you know the statements that you guys were making and the unity and all that. I mean, how often were you guys talking about that in the clubhouse? Was it kind of an everyday conversation early in the year, or you know, was it just like kind of the collection of black players, or was the whole team really kind of buying in and and having a discussion about the the issues in the country? It was mainly just like all the black guys at one point, but then once. Once everything went down, uh, when we canceled the game, that's when everyone, we got together and we're like, yo, we're not playing today type of thing. And that was when kind of everyone got together and was like, yo, we got you. And yeah, that would, get, to, that, 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 would, that would get their attention for sure. <laughs> right. And I'm happy we were able to do that. You know, Seattle was with us 110% with the way. And, you know, a lot of teams wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be, wouldn't be with that. I have to say, I mean, it's really a bummer to hear that, you know, there's franchises or, or just sort of a culture within the sport, I guess, to where people would be upset at you for saying something as simple as people should vote or police brutality is bad, right? I mean, I don't think of those as being controversial statements, I guess. Right. Um, I feel like I saw so much more fan love for you guys as a result of that stuff. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it seems to me like letting guys be who they are and kind of speak their mind. I mean, it seems to me like there's a, that's like a positive, even from a marketing perspective, I guess, you know, like, did you, did you guys feel love or were you getting backlash on, on social media? No, it was, it was, we got a bunch of love, but we also got a bunch of like backlash too. It was crazy. Like, but you're just gonna, you're gonna get that all the time with every, like with anything, you're gonna always have haters, but people saying racism isn't real or just <laughs> like shut up and just keep playing. Like you don't, you don't know anything about this. Like, and then they'll just post, like, they'll show me a bunch of charts. They'll tag me in a bunch of chart pictures showing, like, black-on-black black crime or, like, them killing white guys compared to black guys. Like, they kill more white guys. So it's like, okay, then why aren't you guys just as mad with us then? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, right, like, That makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> you're not proving what you think you're proving with this chart, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, you guys should be, okay, if, you, if they're killing more white people, why aren't you guys more mad than us? <laughs> right. Um, how conscious are you, I mean, of, of this stuff we're talking about of changing the face of the league? You just mentioned that you guys know it's not likely that a team's going to have 12 black dudes on a roster again, but do you think about kids coming up seeing dudes like you or, or Mookie Betts and, and are you conscious, I guess, of being one of those faces that, that kids can look up to and, and sort of see themselves playing baseball, you know, and not just, you know, maybe football or basketball or something? Oh, hell yeah. Um, me and Dominic Smith, uh, this BBG, we run like this organization and uh, Ron Miller and Tim Rivard, we all played together at the Urban Youth Academy. But uh, they run this thing called Baseball Generations and it's just kids in inner cities. They like they have a little facility and whatnot. And we actually have like a showcase day coming up November 14th and um, all like the top 40 underclassmen. And there's like, it's diverse as hell. It's so sexy and all these you know, kids with talent. And me and Dom will show our faces, you know, and I think when I was that age, if I seen somebody like Hicks or somebody, it gives me hope, you know, like, oh man, you know, he's from here, I can make it too, type of thing. And I want him to know, like, you guys can come talk to us. Like, we were in your guys' shoes a couple of years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys have questions, come ask. Like, we're here for y'all. Absolutely. Like we're just trying to pass down what we know to you guys. We're trying to just keep the knowledge going and pass down the baton. Speaking of passing the baton, I got to ask you, when I was growing up, I was watching the Johnny Bench Bunch trying to get those fundamentals down, you know, finding the new 
the new drills and everything that was going to make me better in the field. So to all the young baseball players out there right now listening to this, what's your advice? Let's, get, let's give them gold glove advice. What's your advice for working out in the field? What's the most important drills you can do to make sure you're flashing the leather? Man, just funnel the baseball, you know. You, you just get wide, spread your feet, get, the, get your glove out in front, and funnel the baseball back into your chest. It's called the six Fs. Um, Perry Hill, that's my, that's our defensive coach. He's the one who got me the gold glove. He taught me everything. Um, you know, just look him up on YouTube. He's got all the he's got all the knowledge. It's crazy. Um, it helped my game tremendously in less than a year. And you know, it's it's crazy what he knows. He's a he's a wizard. Is it just repetition? Is it just doing it over and over and over again? Yeah, and it's so easy. It's basic stuff like. You could do it against your wall. You got someone roll you a ball, hit you like a ball five feet away. It's crazy. I, I was going to say, like, the, the method is one thing, but the real key is doing it, like, 50,000 times a day or something, right? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. It's crazy. We're taking them every single day. We, we don't skip a day with ground balls in our routine. It's crazy how much we take it. But, I mean, it helps. I mean, the, the results paid off. <laughs> it, speaks for, it speaks for itself. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm uh, I'm bummed out you guys had to postpone the wedding, but um, if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't want to be worried about the virus and stuff either. So we appreciate you taking the time. Congrats again on the award, and enjoy the rest of your offseason, bro. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Take care, JP. Congrats, Hell yeah. Man. See you, JP. Congrats, bro. Thank you, guys.